The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City. Hi, everyone. I'm Amelia Wozniki, so I'm a part of the Granada Hills core team, and today we're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Please stand there. You had to get your Bibles out. You know, it's all good. Uh, So Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Hey, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, we're going to go to that passage, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to walk through those verses together line by line as we see something about what God has to say about the gospel and how it is a part of our story as adopted children of God. We're starting a new series today. It's going to go till next week. Another friend of ours, another friend of mine, Mike, is going to be speaking next week. He's going to be thinking about how to lead us and guide us towards the command of God to be a part of serving and loving orphans in the world. And specifically next week, we're gonna be thinking about how, how we can ensure that those who need to be fostered have a home, have a lifelong home. Today, I'm gonna to tell you a lot more about adoption because that's our story. Uh, back in 2006, we adopted two kids. My, do- my wife and I adopted two kids. We had one. And then five months later, we added two more. These two were from Ukraine. They were four and six. And uh, their name's Piper and Ethan. They're now 22 and 20. uh, So they've grown up a lot. I'm going to tell you a few stories about them uh, as we get started. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to this local church. I don't know if you know how big of a thing it is to have this many people who are being sent out for the sake of the gospel. Listen, it is so much easier to stay than it is to go. You know all the comforts here. You know where the bathrooms are. You know where the coffee is. You know the friends to whom where they're going to sit and how you can shake their hand and see them every week. But when you're sent out, it's a brand new story. And this is a church that's been committed to multiplication since its beginning. And you do more than just what you're going to see today. This isn't even the end of the day. You've got more people to send out. But a couple weeks from now, we're going to have an assessment retreat where 12 church planters from all over the United States are going to descend onto our city as they pray and seek the Lord if they should be planted here as well. And we don't get that done without Story City. We specifically don't get that done without Miss Monique. So we all say thank you to her. Can we say that? Not only to how she serves this local church, but how she's serving the kingdom and ensuring that we can see these men who are considering the call of God in church planting 
that they will be assessed and encouraged and ready to go. And that's coming in a couple of weeks for us as the Church of Los Angeles together. Now, as we get into this today, I I know that we're going to be talking about an issue that may not feel comfortable for all of us, and that's good. Because God wants to take your discomfort and the things that you have as misconceptions about who he is and turn that all around. And what we're going to see today is that God calls himself a father. He doesn't just take that name on as Jesus says it. He takes that name on for you as his children, sons, and daughters of the Most High God. But he tells us that our story is unique. It's a story of adoption. Now, I told you we have a story of adoption. I'll tell you a couple of our stories. I'm going to give you my favorite story. It's not preacher speak. This actually happened. It was one of the best moments for me. So we went to the Ukraine uh, back in 2006, and we found our two children, uh, Piper and Ethan. Ethan was four. Piper was six. And uh, at this time, we had a baby, Jed. Uh, He was little. He's there right now. He's a big kid now. He's taller than I am. Um, But at this point, it's a very, very small little family. And Tara, after we had finished the adoption, flew back uh, to be caring for Jed, and then I stayed to ensure that we could finish up the adoption process. And as we're doing that, we had, you know, these court hearings, and this is a big process, but we would go back to our apartment with the kids, uh, with the two adopted kids. And I'll never forget, I was laying on the couch, I was completely exhausted. Remember, I had never been a father before, and then I got three kids all like that. So I'm just like worn out completely. So I'm laying on the couch And this four-year-old rebunctious kid jumps on top of me, lays his head down on my chest, and says something in Russian. I look over at the translator who's staying with us to ensure we can get this thing going, and I see her to begin to cry. And I said, what just happened? And she said, Ethan just put his head on your chest, and he said, My daddy, my daddy, I finally got my daddy. Now, I want you to be moved by that. Because make no mistake about it, there is a kid right now who is hoping that one day he'll be able to place his chest, his head on a chest of a father that he can say, I finally got my dad. And I hope that you're inspired not only by what the gospel has to say about our lives, but how we can apply that as we are to be activated as agents of grace in this community. And one of the places God wants to ensure that all of us are playing a role is in the area of caring for orphans. Now, this thing that we've done for adoption, I'm telling you, is the biggest, the best lesson that I have learned about who God is I have learned through the process of adoption. Any of you who've gone through that yourself, there's nothing that has challenged me more of understanding who God is and what he has done for me than being an adopted father. And I hope today you sense that as God is saying that is who he is himself. So let's jump back in this text again. Ephesians 1, we're starting in verse 1. We'll go to 3. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace for God our Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to what this verse is saying right here. It is saying that there is a treasure trove of grace and mercy in heaven, and all of that is being leveraged for your goodness. That's the Father. And it's not a guy who's got like a little bit of grace up there. It is immense in what he is offering. And he wants us to see it's just not the little grace that you see here on earth. It is the immeasurable spiritual blessings that come from heaven itself. Now, what I see here as you're taking notes is that God describes himself as a father. This is how he describes himself. He says, I'm a father. He wants you to see him as a father. This word that's being used here is a word that is used all over the New Testament as Jesus refers to God over and over and over and over and over and over again. He uses this Greek word pater to say this is how you're to relate to God as a father. And as you do this, you're aligning yourself with who God is. There's another time where Jesus uses a different word, Aramaic word Abba, to refer to God. It's another word for father, but it's a lot more like that word where my son laid his head on my chest and said, Daddy. So it's not just, it's just not father, it's also dad. Which says something about the intimacy that he wants with us. Now, we don't always understand this, and I think one of the reasons why we don't always understand this is because of what it's been like for us to have a dad. For some of us, when we hear that God is describing himself as a father, the first thing we think is the last thing I need is one of those. Because the one that I've had so far hasn't been very good. And because of that, when God chooses the word father to describe himself, it's like, I don't know if I need that. If you've gone through these kinds of struggles, that's how it feels. Maybe you had a father who abandoned you. He was not around. You looked for something that might come on your birthday, and the best you ever got was a card. But it didn't come every year. And you think, is that who God is? Or maybe your father was a mean drunk. He was the type of person that you spent your life seeking to avoid any confrontation with that powerful man. And then you hear God say, I want to be your father. And you're thinking, I've been avoiding that my whole life. Or maybe you did have a father who was around, but it just felt like whatever you did, it just wasn't enough. It didn't matter if you were the uh, made the football team, was the quarterback for the football team, made all region. It was never enough. So when you hear God say, I want to be your father, is this just another person who I can't live up to their expectations? Well, the Bible describes who God is and a, as a father, not just by giving this word, but also Jesus uses parables to show us, not just to tell us, but to show us what he means by a father. And we see this in the story of the prodigal son. Now, most people don't know this. When we use the word prodigal, 
we're usually describing someone who is wayward, like someone who has made mistakes and has kind of left. That is not what the word prodigal means. The word prodigal actually means, it means an extensive, crazy, reckless love. The story is not about the prodigal son, it's about the prodigal father, whose love was outrageous. And he tells a story, Jesus tells a story about this kid, and he like uh, gets excited about living a different life in this place that the Bible calls the distant country, and he starts thinking about it, and he's like, man, I gotta go, I gotta go do this. So what he does is he goes to his father and says, give me what I get when you die. Give me my inheritance. You're dead to me, give that to me. And then the Bible says that he goes to this distant land and he lives it up with wild living. He gives, gives it all away, has a blast, enjoys it all, gets done with all of the resources, and then a famine hits the land. He becomes to be in need. And next thing you know, this Jewish boy can only find one job, and that is to be a pig farmer. There's no lower job. For a Jewish boy. There's no thing that the Jewish dad didn't want to hear about what his son chose to do, and that would be to be a pig farmer. It says that he had so little that he began to long for the pods that the pigs were eating. And he starts thinking about this. He starts thinking, you know what? Home, it wasn't that bad. The slaves in my father's house had it better than I have it now. Maybe if I just go back home and I ask my dad, hey, I just want to be a slave. Can I just be a slave? I'm not asking to be a son. I'm just saying, can I, can I come back home? The Bible says that when he begins to turn back home, that the father saw him. And the father bolts down the driveway to throw his arms around his son. It says that as he does that, the son starts with a speech. And that speech is like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father stops him in that moment, and he says, let me kiss you. The Bible says that he fell on his neck, kissing him. I don't know what that is. It's a little bit weird. I'm glad that in this, like, minute to mingle, there was nobody falling on my neck. But this is, this is an expression of, no, son, you think you're coming back as a slave? No, no, no. You're coming back as a full son of mine. He puts a ring on his finger to say that you are a part of this family. He puts shoes on his feet to say, you will not be a slave. Only slaves don't have shoes. You're going to have shoes. And he says, go get the best robe. Who has the best robe? Dad. Go get my robe. And he puts it on his son. And harkens back to when Isaiah said that he will put on us robes of righteousness. And when God says he's your father, that's what he's talking about. He may not be, it may not be what your dad was like, but when God calls to you and says, come home, son, this is how he calls you home. This is the father who will be waiting for you at this home. All right, let's continue. Look with me at verse four. It says, even as he chose 
us in him before the foundations of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God describes his fatherhood as an adoption. God describes his fatherhood as an adoption. Now, I want to give you three things here in this point that show us what he's trying to say when he says that he wants us to be adopted. The first is this. When we think of adoption in our world, it is supposed to be a metaphor to help us understand the heavenly world. And in our world, as we think about this, the first thing we recognize is that adoption requires a choice of love. Adoption requires a choice of love. Now, this is how it worked for us. Not every country is this way. This is how it is in Ukraine, at least when we adopted. Uh, we went to the center, and as we were at the center, they'd taken all the information that we had given in our dossier that said everything about our family, and they had albums of children that all had one page. And they would put them before us, and they would describe a little bit about them, and they would say, which one you want? And we had eight that were put in front of us, and I believe it was the fifth one that a little girl's face came down that looked so much like Tara's deceased sister that we were like, that's my child. Now, she's now grown up to be a 22-year-old, um, Piper, and a conversation that Piper and I have had a hundred times. But uh, abandonment does something to you, and it it's not turned off really easy. So Piper has told me again and again, Dad, I feel like I'm the one who's been forgotten. I'm the one who's been left. Yes, I, I mean, this is the conversation we've had about every two or three years, even as a young adult. I say, baby, that's not your story. Different than every other story. Different than even your brother's story. Different than every child who comes from the womb of their mother. Yours is different and it's special because here's the truth about you. Your daddy went across the world to look for one little girl who I would one day call my daughter. Listen, when you have a child, you don't get to pick it. You don't get to pick the gender. You don't get to pick the hair color. You don't get to pick any of that. You don't get to. But with adoption, I would say, Piper, you are, if anybody is, you are the chosen. I looked across the whole planet and I found one little girl that I wanted to be my daughter. And that's the truth. But it's also the truth about you. Because what God tells us, what he tells us about our relationship with him is that in the same way, from the beginning of time, he has chosen us. 
from all the people in the world. He has chosen you. You are a special group of people if you're a person who is in Christ. Because adoption requires a choice. Secondly, adoption requires the acceptance of the children's shortcomings. This is part of the process. When you've been hurt by the world, hurt people hurt people. And when you've been hurt that bad, it is going to bring a pain into your life. It is part of the process. But here's what's different about God's adoption than our adoption. It is slightly different because from the beginning of time, God has known your shortcomings and he has still chosen you. If you have a quick temper or lazy or if there's certain things you hate about yourself, or if you lack the zeal that you see everyone else have, or you're a person who's constantly running away from God, and you endlessly complain about him, he still comes after you. And as the song we said, we're going to kick down any wall to get to his child. He knows your shortcomings, and he still chooses you. Is that how your relationships have been? For most of us, the way the world works is the moment things go bad, the person jets. You're fortunate if you can find somebody who will stay with you. What God's saying is, I want you to see my picture. My picture is a picture of, I already knew your shortcomings. I already knew your story. I knew that you were going to fail. I knew you were going to run away from me. I knew that you were going to complain for most of your life. But guess what? I still choose you. I still love you. Isn't this different than fathers that you've known? Finally, adoption requires a sacrifice. Now, for Tara and I, we were dinks for a while. Do you know what I mean by dink? Double income, no kids. Double income, that's called rich. I mean, we weren't really rich, but it felt good. We on a date every day. Like, what you want? Let's go. It was good old days. And we were that way for a long time because infertility was kind of part of our lives. And we knew that adoption was going to be a part of our story. So we were just saving and saving and saving and saving. And if you've ever done an adoption, you know what I'm talking about. It's like expensive. You know, one of, one of the times I was, uh, Ethan said to me, he's like, yeah, you guys paid for us. And I'm like, yeah, we did. He's like, doesn't that seem weird? I'm like, bro. You cost a whole lot more than your baby brother. There was some insurance with that one. There was no insurance. But it's expensive. If you're going to do this, you've got to go down that road. Do you know what the payment was for your adoption of the kingdom of God? Man. It was the most precious being that has ever existed. It was the Son of God was your payment. That's expensive. We're talking about value. There is nothing that could have been paid that had a greater value than what it costs for you to be adopted into this family. And that's supposed to shout to us the value at which God has when he says, I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into my family. I want you to be a part of this story. 
It's such a beautiful story what God has done. And I just need you to hear this. These are beautiful stories about adoption, but this is your story. This isn't just a story for someone. This is your story. I want, to, I want you to see one of these. The story I'm about to tell you and show you is a story about a mother who was Korean, who had a child. Her, the father of the child was an American soldier in the Korean War. It's the real story of a young lady named Stephanie Fast. You see, when she was born, she was a lot different than all the other girls. She resembled her father. So there are some things about her that were just different. And everybody could see it. You know, her eyes were just a little bit more round than everybody else's. Her skin tone is a little bit different. And what that meant was that she was ruthlessly taunted by all the other kids. And one day, her mom did something that you and I can probably barely even fathom doing ourselves. But she abandons her little girl to the streets. And here's how the story goes. How many of you are believers in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up, and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to recognize that is your story. That is what God is saying. That there was a day, for me it was January 31st of 1996, where he came into my life, and he put his hand on my face, And said, this is my child. This is the child for me. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that is exactly what happened to you. Let's take a look at these last few verses and we'll be done. I love these two. It says this, in him, this is verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavishes he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight the last thing that we see here is that God's love for us God's love is lavished on his children If you're one of those people who raise your hand, you gave your life to Jesus Christ, this is how he loves you. The word that he uses is a word called lavished. Now, I had to look this up, had to figure out what this word meant. I want you to see this little cup for a second as you, and this is an empty cup because this recognizes that there's some of us who feel empty in this world. Before we came to Christ, we definitely felt empty in this world. Maybe even in Christ, there's times we feel empty in this world. And the Bible teaches us that we can be filled by God. And as we're filled, this word is the word that he uses to describe those that are his children. It's lavished. Now I want you to know what this word means. The best way to describe this word is the word overflowing. You know the song that we just sang earlier about reckless love? You ever wondered where the verses of that came from? It's from this word, the idea of 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 a flowing love. It is an overwhelming love. It is an overflowing love. But I think for most of us, that's not how we see God. That's not. We see God like this. This is God's love. And this is what he gives us. 
will drop. And he goes back up to his throne. I said, I'll get you next time. That's not what this word is. Let me tell you what this word is. This is that word. Lavish is this kind of filling. That's an expensive screen by there. I'm not going to show you, but you know what I mean, right? Listen, this is God's love. And this is not even a good metaphor. The truth is, God's love is bigger than that. It's more than just what could, you, know, you can contain. It's like taking this cup and going to Niagara Falls and sitting underneath it. This is what lavish looks like. It's just overflowing. Dude, I'm full. I don't need any more. That's all right. I got some more love for you. I got some more grace for you. It is standing before the grand oceans of this world. And God's saying, my love is like an ocean. It is, so listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter if you've wasted your life. It doesn't matter if you have cursed him. It doesn't matter if you even said to, you, to him before, I'm done with you. His love is still enough. And all he's looking for is maybe today there might be one person who decides to turn back home. And to go feel the embrace of a father who truly loves you. No matter what you've done, there's plenty of grace. He's just calling us to come. And if that's you, I want to ask you to pray with me. Would you bow your head? Holy Father, The dream for today is there might be one person, maybe just one person. They might be online. They might be here. Maybe they come to this place with a lot of dad wounds. They never understood who you really are. They've seen you through their own lens. It was created by their earthly father. But today they see something different. And they say, I want that father. God, they can have it today. The Bible says that anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord, repent of their sins, they will be saved. That means they will be adopted. So the adopted father is here in this place. And he's looking for a child to call his own. And if you feel that stirring in you, I pray that right now what you would just say to God is thank you. I don't deserve this, but I'm grateful for what you have done. Today, I turn my life around, my back to this world, and my direction towards you, God, for the rest of my days. I will look to you and the sacrifice that you made on the cross to be my righteousness. And God, even as we gather together as a body today, we come to remember what you've done for each and every one of us. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus.